What up, what up, guys? Thank you so much for tuning in with us again. Today, episode three of our series, Deciding Points in Our Military Careers. And today, we're going to hear from Army veteran Marquise Price. He's going to join us as our special guest and share his story. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We love the continued support. Enjoy the show. What up, what up, guys? Thank you for coming back and joining us today on the Common Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Rusty. With me always is J-Dub. What's up? what's up today we got another special guest for you guys uh army veteran he's going to tell us his story and following along with the series that we've been doing um we're going to be hitting on his critical decision points throughout his career as it came along whether it been take this opportunity not take this opportunity re-enlist not re-enlist whatever happens um, those are big points in our careers, especially because it really starts to define us. And we want to make sure you guys have this type of support and understanding that whatever circumstances, emotions, whatever was going around in that time, we want to make sure that you guys know that you're not alone. You guys think you might be going something that nobody else has gone through. I promise you, we've all gone through it. Everybody goes through it. So introduce yourself my friend yeah so first off of course rusty jess again i want to thank y'all for having me on it's totally cool um and so yeah so my name is marquise price um i served in uh, the army for about six years active well six years active and two years in their uh i guess their ready reserves and so um so yeah so my story i guess how it all got started is uh I didn't even think i would ever be going to the military so that's actually crazy um i was 17 and I wanted to go into um, to the firefighter program, actually. And so um, so I thought I wanted to be a firefighter, you know. And so I graduated early, actually. So I graduated early because I was really thinking that if I work diligent, I'll get into this firefighter program and that's going to be it. Uh, anyhow, firefighter program filled up in the summertime, of course. Everybody want to be a firefighter and stuff. And then they told me, you, you know, that you got to be a paramedic. And I nothing wrong with being a medic. Uh, of course not. And, uh, you know, I was like, man, that's more schooling. I just graduated. Like I thought I was going to hit the ground running. So um, I didn't want to stop. And so I, lo and behold, you know, I ended up uh, enlisting in the army, which was uh, a pretty cool experience. You know, it has its ups and downs, but, uh, and kind of like a backstory. So my dad is actually Air Force. My grandpa's Air Force and uh, family of just Air Force people. And I went army and uh, I'll never forget the yeah, day. You made the wrong decision, man. <laughs> oh man. I know. I know, man. I realized it when I was in uh, Kyrgyzstan at their cafeteria, I was like, dang, air first. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I understand. Manas. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who were you there? Yeah. Uh, man, 2012. Yeah. Ah, oh, damn. I was there in 2011. <laughs> oh man. I was right after you. Yeah. I yeah. passed so you through know in 2012. <laughs> when were you wow. there in 2012? Dude. Uh, 2012, we went in, uh, it was, uh, February. Yeah. February, 2012. It was a nine month, a nine month deployment. Okay. Yeah. So I was actually stationed there. I was working like the, the transient oh, stuff to man. issue all the gear out and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, I was there for six months. So I saw tons and tons of people come through. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I actually, well, that's going to take me into something else, but anyway, uh, we got, we got, uh, dispersed. And so. Uh, shortly after the deployment, you know, um, is when we got to reconnect with our guys that we haven't seen in like, you know, months. So that was pretty cool. Um, but anyhow, so yeah, I was 17, uh, wanted to just keep going. I graduated school early. I got this thing on school 
that it's just really not for me. I was like, let me just go ahead, get it out the way. So then like I went to this advanced school, whatever, graduated early. And uh, yeah, while my class was walking, literally that day while my class was walking, graduating, I had already went to MEPS and uh, yeah, did the fingerprinting and everything. And so my mom was like, do you want to go to your graduation? I was like, no. And uh, so uh, and there I was enlisted in the army, which was awesome at that time. So, but it was, it was difficult. But, uh, um, it's great that you told your followers that, you know, they may feel like they're going through something that no one else, because it was tough for me. It was a shock. And not only did I, I never forget, like, I guess my mom really prepared me for the shock because I didn't understand at that time. Cause you know, um, she didn't want me cause you have to get your parents signature when you're 17, both parents. And so she didn't want me to, and, and excuse me, I was adopted actually. So this was actually my adopted parents and, uh, and, and I still know my biological family and all that stuff. But so, uh, anyhow, I was with my adopted parents and, uh, you know, they were like, um, I got called down to the station, the recruiter station, and it was the day that I had to select my MOS. And uh, my parents didn't even know. They were just, I needed a ride, though. I was like, hey, can you guys drop me off? Because I need to go do, like, some training. They were like, sure, sure, sure. And they knew it was getting close. So they were like, remember, though, don't pick a job, you know, without me and your dad being there. And that's fine. And I was like, okay. But then that was kind of lame to me because I was like, you know, it's my experience, you know. So anyway, went down to, you know, went down to the recruiter station, whatever. And then there was a list of jobs to pick. And, uh, and I would, mind you, mind you, mind you, um, I was just this 17 year old, like 120 pounds. Actually, I barely made the, I didn't make the weigh in for my height and weight. So like, yeah, that was kind of crazy. And, uh, but yeah, so what stood out to me was just infantry. And so I was just like, okay. Cause I, I felt soft, like not that anybody else is not soft. If, for me at 17, I needed that because like I had just graduated school and you, you think, you know, it all at 17. Right. So um, just something in me was just like, maybe this is like something that could whatever. I don't know. So anyway, uh, ended up, uh, you know, whatever, selecting the job, whatever. And we went through that process. It's been a while uh, that I'm 31 now. So that was when I was 17. So trying to make sure I get it all lined up. But basically what happened was, um, yeah, my adoptive parents didn't like it, but at that point, they were still doing like guardianship of me. And because I knew my biological mom and my biological dad, really their signatures mattered. So I had talked it with my mom because I've always stayed close with my mom, even though she basically even her good friend adopted me. Um, and so all right, I still got a great relationship with my mom, my biological mom, both of them. And uh, but anyway, so my biological mom signed because she was awesome. She was just like, if this is what you want to do. She's always been like that. I support you. And then I was like, OK, awesome. She was the only one saying, you know, that. Um, you know, fully supportive. And she didn't give me no flack about it. She was just like, yeah, go for it. And so, uh, anyhow, there I was, man, um, taking my first plane ride to, uh, Jesus, uh, Atlanta from Dallas, Fort Worth to Atlanta. And so, <laughs> you know, the buses and everything. And there I end up at Fort Benning, man, life would change like dramatically. So when I enlisted, it was in 2010. And so, you know, these guys just came out of like the Iraq war and that kind of stuff. And like, I was a little bit of a nerd. So I paid attention to like the financial aspects of the war, which is gas prices and stuff. I know what 17 year old would be thinking of that and uh, really didn't know, you know, really about the war. And so um, basic training was was tough. It, it was definitely. But I see why they did it the way they did, um, especially now with um, I'm not going to bash the youth at all, but I definitely see why they did what they did. Right. And then like a lot of my buddies, they went straight in the war. So once we graduated, they went straight to go fight. You know, they joined the Big Red One in the Army and uh, 
I think it's Kansas or something. And so a lot of those guys were going, you know, they were already shipping out, you know, in 18. Um, so anyhow, so graduated basic training, did that, ended up, you know, thought I was going to get a cool duty station. They're like, nope, you're going six, uh, six hours down the road, ended up in uh, Fort Stewart. And uh, so I was like, okay. And uh, yeah, man, that's really where the learning experiences begin. Like life really began. Like it really got real. And so from my own uh, perspective, you know, this sounds all peaches and cream, but you, you know, remember I told you I was a soft 18 year old at this point, you know, 17 when they had to get the signatures. Now I'm 18 at that point. And um, you know, it was tough. It was really, really tough. And being infantry, like I'll never forget, man, the first day I hit my unit, man, we lived in these trailers in Fort Stewart. We lived in these trailers and these trailers had like three rooms to them. And then you go out to use the bathroom. Well, you know, now, you know, the fun's over. Basic training was fun, but now the real stuff kicks in. So I never forget the first day, man, Jesus, the first day um, I ended up like, you, you need a key card in these rooms too. So you got a little key card, like a hotel key card to open it. And man, I never forget, like, um, I leave my key card, I wake up, you know, just like normal civilian, I guess. And uh, I, you know, leave my key card in my room, go use the restroom and my door lock. I'm like, oh, my God, like we got to be at 0530 at the field for a ruck march. We're rucking on the track, around the track. Man, so I left that key card. Man, that morning, that already, the first day on the job was just like I got scuffed up. Like, I mean, I'll never forget. Um, the shit was tough. <laughs> and I got scuffed up, man. And I got scuffed up before you have to do the PT. Like Jesus, and man, I, I can never forget stuff like that. When I mean, because oh, you know, man. it's no secret PT is not the same as like the Marines or the Army and shit like that for yeah, the Air Force. Yeah. But even then, when people show up late, it is just oh, so funny as, as we just fuck with them so hard. Oh man, man, <laughs> they did, dude, they did. And remember, man, I barely made weight. So for my height and weight at the time, I had to be 125 pounds. I hit right at 120 pounds, and they were like, "Oh, well, you gain the weight." They're like, "What well, are your job?" I was like, well, "I'm the infantry." I that meant at the time, and they were just like, "All right, you'll get it when you get down the road." And so they always tell you down the road, everything is damn down the road. And so, uh, so yeah, man, the first day I was like. So then after that, it was very hard. Okay. When I say it was hard for me at that point, now I understand why I went through that. But for your, you know, your listeners that's out there, you know, that are maybe still active duty and everything, man, the best thing I can say is just really seek out, you know, resources and help when you need it. Right. I know they always talk about that, but it's like the suicides 22 a day. I wear that, you know, bracelet from time to time on my wrist, just as a remembrance of the, you know, the struggles that I faced that I know that other you know, uh, veterans, active duty members are facing. And so anyhow, 18, um, to 19, I deployed when I was 19. And so, uh, 18, like I say, that was a trying moment, man. Like you're trying to figure out the army and stuff and you can't get anything right. You know what I mean? We got scuffed up. And so we were infantry. We got scuffed up for using the front door. We go to our duty station. We're like little nerds, right. With our packets, like, you know, and then they're like, no, man, relax. And then you're like, oh, thank you. We get to relax. And some other sergeant comes up. He's like, hey, private, you know, what's up? And then you're like, oh, hey, how's it going, sergeant? He's like, you talking to me with your hands? Like, and then, you know, get the hell out the door. And, you know, they're kicking all of our shit and throwing it out, man. And oh, there was a constant just mind games with you on there. And so uh, and then, you know, with Army, it was very physical or not Army in general, but infantry. It was just very, very physical. And so. um you know, you got put in the work. But at that point in time, I didn't understand really what putting in that work was. So my experience at that age was really, really hard, even more just by me 
not, you know, wanting to take advantage of like my off time with physical fitness and stuff and learning the weapons, because then not only when you got the work, you know, it's also the fuck fuck games they play with you. You know, now you're having to disassemble a weapon blindfold and you timed it and you got to do this. And then you got to remember your nine line medevac. Again, you know, it was like, man. And then like we were infantry. So, you know, your listeners, they know, you know, you got to go for your expert infantry badge and badge. And we didn't know what the hell that was. And so it was pretty difficult at Fort Stewart up until the point. But um, really what was cool, though, you know, that all sounds like it was a bad experience. But really what was cool was we were out training op four. So we were being op four out in Yuma, Arizona. And so uh, we got out there, man. And um, yeah, that day, I'll never forget. We received the news that we were going to deploy to Afghanistan. So we're like, holy shit. You know, like my buddies were already there from basic training, you know, they will Iraq between Iraq and Afghanistan. So I was like, damn, this is really going to be me. So they were like, call your parents or call your loved ones, whatever, and just let them know. But OPSEC, you know, so let them know, you know, can't be spilling the beans like that. And uh, honestly, that deployment is, like I say, is when I woke the fuck up. That's honestly when, like, it really just got real at that point. I felt like, because even even before, you know, uh, I wasn't a sick call ranger or nothing like that, but, you know, I was just weak, you know. And so as I'm doing these rough marches and, you know, the feet are you're tired and, you know, we're, we're running at like five in the morning, like 12 miles and stuff. But, uh, yeah, that deployment was what I needed, actually. And I'll never forget a major. He was a... Uh, you know, the medic at the time, the head medic, Major Stubblefield, just like you mentioned, you never forget those moments, Major Stubblefield. And he told me, you know, he was like, he's like, Price, you know, man, maybe there is something going on with you physically and everything. But he says, you know, you got to make a decision. Either you're going to, you know, stay back here in the rear or, you know, you're you're going to go do your job, you know. And, uh, and, and that was just real life. Like, I hated him at that point, but that is what I needed. Like if he's around, you know, he's probably retired or who, who knows, you never know. But, you know, um, but yeah, he was a special forces dude and everything too, man. Major Stubblefield was, was the shit. And, you know, he provided that encouragement because he was nurturing. Right. Cause that's what we always crying about. Right. We're all crying about, you know, like, Oh, they're not hearing me, you know, I'm broken. And uh, he was like, you know, no, I understand that, but it's on you to make that decision. And so uh, you may, I mean, I made that decision to go out with them and, yeah, man, that's when, uh, like I say, shit got real, real quick. Um, that's when I felt like I had, like I grew up, I grew up in Afghanistan. Like that, that was honestly up until the point. I mean, yeah. You grew up in a damn war zone. <laughs> crazy, man. I know. I know. It is crazy. It is. That's how I felt about my first <laughs> deployment too. Uh, where were you yeah. at in Afghanistan? So we were, we just went all over, but okay. uh, Mazari Sharif was like our home base, if you will. Gotcha. So then you split up because we went in support of uh, the ODA teams. So mm -hmm. we, you know, they operate in different little uh, sectors or not sectors, but different teams. So they mm -hmm. uh, basically they split our companies up. So they mixed us before deployment. We had, you know, if you're Alpha and Bravo, you're the infantry uh, companies. And then uh, Charlie Delta were tankers. And then we had, you know, supply that was mixed with us so they just mixed up the team so you had like these guys that you never thought you'd be deployed with tankers you're like fuck the tankers nothing wrong with tankers nothing wrong with tankers nothing wrong with tankers but you know infantry there's always a rivalry so uh but yeah so you yeah. were mixed with them and uh and it was good though it, it really was like it was it was good yeah i was in i was in bagram in 2012 and uh um, okay yeah yeah, I mean, I wasn't there that long. It was a weird situation why I even got sent out there in the first place. But uh -huh. I was there. I got, you know, and it wasn't in the heat of things, you know, because usually the summer is when everything happens. And then when the wintertime comes around, it dies down because, you know, the terrorists don't like the cold. But yep. Um, yep. 
I don't but, know. Uh, yeah. But uh, it, it definitely is a just when you go out there, like even when I was, my first deployment was Manaz. And when I was okay. out there, I was like, okay, you know, I got, but I got to go off base and got to go do stuff, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I got to go hiking in the mountains. So I was like, ah, whatever. And uh-huh. I go to Bagram, I'm sitting there like, and then uh, you're sitting there, seek shelter. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. This is, this is war. Oh my damn. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, the first yeah, time the rounds come in, you're like, "Oh, I'm really at war." Damn. Okay. Yeah, it. I mean, it just it becomes real. Like it just really like, and, and but it got real for me, honestly, when we stepped out the C130 or whatever, and like, holy shit, like these nationals, they got AKs. We don't. We have our guns, but we don't have ammo, right? You know, you, you just was on the bird. You know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm like, shit. We just left. Um, I was still surprised when we left Georgia. We had beautiful weather. We landed in Germany and the plane is having to be defrosted. I'm like, what the hell? And so next thing you know, you know, and then again, you land in Manus. I was sick of shit in Manus because my dumb ass, I took two damn malaria pills because they were like, take these pills before you go. <laughs> yeah. And so, man, I just, I was out of there, bro. Like literally they were like in Germany, they were like, hey, you got, you guys got to get off the plane. And they were like, hey, we need somebody to stay and watch weapons. I was like, I'll stay and watch weapons. And so... <laughs> I just wanted to stay on the plane because I was that sick, man. So, yeah, when I landed in Madness, holy shit, dude. Like, that was just crazy. I mean, like, oh, my God. I was like, you know, I'm out of it, man. Those malaria pills got me, like. Those malaria uh, pills will fuck you up real quick. Yeah. Yeah. So, when you came to that realization, you know, and you know when uh, Major Stubblefield, you were saying, um, it's like, you got to make a decision. You're going to be in the front. You're going to be in the back. Mm-hmm. As you made that decision as like, cause right there is like a huge mental decision, you know, mm-hmm. cause yep. even with you having to go do this cause it's your job, there's, there's still that, that way to be like, well, I'm gonna go out here cause I need to, cause I don't want to get in trouble and it's my job. But, um, mentally you can still be like, I just, I, I'm trying to do the least amount of work. I'm trying to hide because I, I, I can't mm-hmm. do this. You know, I'm scared. But when you get mm-hmm. out there and you're like, Hey, I got to watch out for my my brother's next to me, you know, I got to make mm-hmm. sure that I'm doing the job as best as I can and more because this is not something you can just fuck around with. That type of mental clarity and decision is, is a huge, huge thing to accept in that type of mentality. Would you say? Uh, yeah, it, I, it definitely was man, because, okay. So my reason was, you know, if you give somebody a crutch, they'll take it. So I had an issue with sit-ups for the longest time. I had an issue with sit-ups. And so like I would, like I would blaze on the PT test. I would blaze. Um, I would blaze through like um, the run, you know, no problem. You know, they running in like under 13, you know, two mile and, you know, uh, pushups, no problem, you know, but what it was is um, which they later, which is honestly what gives me my disability to this day is they found out that I had a slight degree of curvature. And so once I hear that, you know what I mean? At that age, that, you know, I'm, you're, you're, you're using that as a crush for everything, you know, cause you don't want to put the work in, you know, at least me at that time, you know, um, I could have really honestly, and that's what I later would go on to do, which is fortify my back with exercising and doing that kind of shit, you know, but you know, it was, I, I wanted the crutch, you know, I was like, shit, 14 mile rough march. And they say my back goes 15 degrees to the side like this, you know, I'm like, shit, you know, but it did. Don't get me wrong. It did cause complications and everything. But yeah, there was a big decision with Major Stubblefield. And because um, and honestly, I was borderline getting chaptered out because of my fitness. And so 
that's honestly yeah so that honestly is when like shit got real and like major stubblefield was just like look i hear you i hear you but you know he was also like look your career hasn't taken off if if you exit you know what are you going to you know what are you going to do you know what do you, you know what was you doing before this you know he knew i was a young you know guy that just graduated you know now i got to go back into civilian world and go back and say shit now i got to try again you know i was better than those holdovers that didn't graduate, you know, because mentally I really did want to become, you know, somebody in the military for myself. And so, uh, yeah, that was a huge decision, man. That was one of the big decisions because I went through a lot of shit. So your guys that were struggling during that time, I struggled through uh, suicide at that point. Um, that was one of the worst things that happened. You know, I don't want to make this a depressing, but it is real shit. So that's why I want to talk about it. You know, um, those, those same pain meds that they gave me from my back shit one day, man, I was like, fuck it off. I took all that shit. And uh, man, I'll never forget hours later, uh, I think I wrote a note and everything. And uh, it's like crazy. It's crazy how you got to revisit this shit, man. I haven't revisited this in years, but uh, but and that just goes as a testament to how good life has been. But um, but yeah, man, like shit, dude, like I left the note and everything and I took the pills, man. And I'll never forget. I drank the fucking oh, I don't even drink that shit now. I chugged the fucking brisk iced tea with that and i was like man I woke oh up. my god <laughs> yeah I, dude i woke up i was like fuck it was like my stomach dude i just started throwing up i was like oh my god i was like all right god if i live through this shit i am not doing this again and that's the promise that i made and i never have to you know attempt to suicide again because of that because i remember that fucking moment and not you know like i say not that i'm just thinking about suicide before you know again you know it, it's a thing that veterans deal with and it's got to be talked about and so you know, I was I was in that same boat, you know, at fucking 19 or 18, 18. Yeah, because 19 is when I was in Afghanistan. So, yeah, you know, 18 is when I thought, you know, I had went from like wanting to be this fucking firefighter, wanting to have all these goals and aspirations. And it seemed like I hit a fucking brick wall in life with the military and the only fucking way out because nobody was listening to me. You know, Major Stubblefield now, but he was like on both sides. This is how I was thinking at the time. I'm like, well, Major Stubblefield, but then he's also telling me this, you know. And so, uh, uh, but yeah, man. So, you know, that was a that was a challenging moment. I'll never forget, man. After that, it was just kind of like, you know, now you just got to excuse my language, but now you just kind of nut up at this point. You know, it's like, all right, no more of the suicide shit. No more of that. Now I just got to get hard in a sense, you know, and I had to take a look at myself and be like, yo, you're a skinny ass dude eating pizza. You're not trying to put in the effort. You know, and you're looking at Major Stubblefield's long tap. Well, he didn't get that long tap by fucking just sitting on his ass, you know. So figure out where you want to be. And so I needed him to I needed someone. And it came through that individual right there. And so, my, you know, and I had it sweet. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. I had it sweet. Once they did my back and everything, they realized it was a problem. So the military was like, holy fuck, let's stop things for a second. So then they moved me to a uh, I got to work at the general's fucking uh, building right there at Fort Stewart. As soon as you hit the gate. And so uh, what did I do? I worked three days on 12 hour shifts and it was just pretty much kosher. No PT, no nothing. But see, that was that that was that was not good for my mental. You see what I'm saying? That was not good for my mental, because when I had to go back to my barracks and I seen my boys that were, you know, really getting ready to be in the shit. You see what I'm saying? And I was over here shamming, as we fucking call it. Right. I'm over here like, oh, that sucks. Y'all going to the field. Well, the reason they're going to the field is so they don't lose their fucking head where we're going. But yeah. at 18, I couldn't understand that because at 18, I thought I figured out the civilian world, you know, and in and, and school, right? School just says, oh, you did good, 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 good grades. But what about fucking yeah. life, you know? And so, and, and it was some, I mean, I had some real, um, I had some real uh, moments with myself in the military, man. 
I owe the military that shit for real. They, you know, I don't think they brought on that. I think what it was is they exposed something that needed to be exposed within myself that only I could see. You know, it, it's it's not like those guys that fucked me up doing the PT. It's not like they hated me. Maybe they did whatever the fuck. But, you know, they knew what was to come, you know, because uh, uh, on deployment, you know, I lost my fucking XO out there, you know, and I never forget that day. And I'm shit. I'm going to have to slow down. But um, I'll never forget that day, man. Like he literally like. God damn, dude. I don't, I can't cry on your podcast, man. But hey, bro. I, I got to uh, let it out for sure, man. There's sure. nothing wrong with that, guys. There's and nothing wrong with shit like this. It's definitely not. It's definitely not. <laughs> I celebrate him, man. I got a flag in my fucking yard. If I turn his laptop around here, you see that must like the flag that my people, civilians are like, oh, you know, thank you for your service and everything. Well, on that flag is a tribute. His name was uh, Major Volky and uh, his his name and on those dog tags are out there every day. And so I wear his fucking wristband uh, as well. Uh, not his wristband, of course, but my KIA, KIA bracelet, not to seem cool, but just as a remembrance because. You know, life is short. And that man, that day he died and he didn't die by the fucking enemy, you know, and that's what's crazy. Right. Um, he didn't die. He died right there in fucking Missouri Sharif on the camp. We had the four to five fucking HESCO barriers that day. And he was going around just making sure that everybody was being safe. Right. He's the XO. So he's just doing that. We had a shitty fucking battalion commander, And uh, but the XO was good, you know, and I was like, man, you know, like that, that guy's good. Our, our battalion commander was fighting with the special forces guys because they were telling us you always need to be locked and loaded. And he was like, oh, well, we don't we don't you know, want to do that, you know? And he's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you know, whatever, whatever. So they had that fight, but the XO anyway, he'd always come by and let you know, you know, just by his personality that he wasn't with that politics shit. He just caring for you. And if you seen your ass and you needed a ground guide, he said, Hey man, you need a fucking ground guy. And that's what happened. He was trying to correct somebody having a ground guy. He, the, you know, the guy had no ground guy. He slipped and major bulk. He just got crushed. And you know, that day was just fucking, that was a moment, man. Like I, my birthday's in July. And, um, I swear to you, he was either June or July. He passed, man. And I couldn't even, like, I, who gave a fuck? I didn't even give a fuck about my birthday. Like, at that point, I was like, fuck, fuck birthdays, man. Like, you know, so anyway, um, but I, so that's the shit that I'm saying. All that to say, not to get sad on you. And so that's why I'm choosing not to cry because it's not a sad moment. It's to say, you know, now I understand why those guys in Major Stubblefield was trying to tell me, you know, that life is real, you know. And, uh, you know, I had been babied, you know, I went from a, uh, one family into another family. And then, you know, everybody feels sorry for you and shit. So I was used to that at that time. And that was a crutch. And so, um, so yeah, Afghanistan taught me that ain't nobody going to feel sorry for your ass. And, uh, yeah, you got to keep your head down. So there's a lot, a lot of learn out there. Yeah. That stuff like that, man. Like it's, it's one thing when you know that you're dealing with, your internal battles, you know, mm -hmm. guys, if you haven't listened to episode three, please go check back on mental health matters. It's not going to be the last time we do stuff like that, but you have your internal battles. You're in the middle of a war zone and then you lose someone close to you. And like you said, it wasn't even from like firefight war battle, nothing. It, it, oh, it was, man. it was a freak accident. Yeah. And it's just like, well, shit, you're out there. You you're out there in the middle of the shit. You would expect that anyone mm -hmm. that dies out there would be from that, yeah. not from fuck. He should be here right now, but a freak accident happened and he's not here. You know. Yeah. I think yeah. sometimes that's harder, man. You know, you you look at folks mm -hmm. like Pat Tillman who passed away, and it's like fuck. Yeah. You, think, yeah. you know, they passed away from enemy fire, but it's like no, they passed away from something that happened from a friendly. You know, and yeah. and I think it hits us harder and work um mm -hmm. but the fact that you still celebrate his life and you're still keeping his memory alive yeah. man, that's a testament to you as a person and I, yeah, yeah it was that. i 
I never, man. So I think, of course, he was the big XO, but um, also, you know, he had a tent. And so um, he we had to clean out his tent. So me and my sergeant had to clean out his tent and pack his stuff up. So that was just, that was tough. And he has two girls, two little girls at the time, and they were like little girls. And, you know, they're a gold star family, so you can find them online and stuff. And so the girls are older now, and I'm like, man, like, you know, like that, that's cool to see that they were able to just to keep going. Cause I, I couldn't imagine that, you know, I really couldn't. And having to clean out his tent, I was like, damn, like, why? The f-? I wasn't like, why the fuck was I cleaning out his tent? But I was like, shit, I'm really cleaning out this guy's tent. And then after that, man, it's just like, you know, shit was going down. So we came to the fob, we had to fucking do connexes, uh, unload connexes of caskets and shit. And, you know, and I was like, I, I never knew that the caskets looked different from what I seen, you know, at funerals and shit. And so uh, I was like, damn, people really big as you are, they fit you in that. And I never forget when we had to unload those caskets and shit. And those caskets were being shipped out of, you know, from us and Mazari Sharif down to the other guys and shit. And so, yeah, man, I couldn't feel sorry for myself because I would FaceTime my guy, Jose Lopez, that really was just very instrumental, like very instrumental since I left. Um, and he's from California, you know, and, you know, you meet people. And so my boy Lopez, you know, occasionally we would be able to FaceTime or shit, something at the MWR or something with some shitty internet. And uh, one of the locals hook you up with a cell phone and shit. And so, uh, yeah, you know, and so Lopez, honestly, he was very, very instrumental. And he went through his own shit, you know, and uh, he dealt with some shit. And I'm not going to put his business out there, but he dealt with some shit as well. And so the good thing about it was, like, that's where you got to talk to people, right? Because, you know, we were able to share in that moment, you know, I was like, man fucked up because you know major volume and he's like man this happened and shit and so you know you can talk to somebody that's what i'm saying you know you got to talk to you got to talk to somebody yeah and, absolutely uh, you know it don't make you less of a man or anything to talk to somebody and so but it really did fuck me up and uh and once we got after after afghanistan or actually i ended up re-enlisting in afghanistan i was like shit now i'm going from you know uh <laughs> so damn what what uh, so what influenced that decision you know to reenlist while you're out there in the middle of war mm, man there's nothing to do but work out and so man i started working out and i started eating and i started to get lean and man now i could fucking cause we still have physical fitness pt tests and shit out there too and so it was like price they want to promote you but we can't promote you because you got a, uh, what do they fucking put? Your guys would know on you. But uh, they fucking put like a thing. They flag you. They flag you. So I was flagged before I left the States. So basically so they, flag- they coded you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my leadership is like, yo, he's a rock star and everything. And then they looked at my file and they were like, you know, uh, they were like, you know, but price is flagged. And so couldn't nobody do anything about that. Again, it was back on me. So, which was great though, because you meet a lot of people. And so I met a bigger guy from Hawaii, uh, Asaeli. I, I, we still talk. Um, he's on my Facebook and stuff. And so this big guy, man, was like, he had to lose weight so he could get his next rank. And so we were getting, you know, going to be specialists at that point. And so we both wanted to be specialists because we're like, oh yeah, once we hit specialists, you know, we can realize there were some bonuses and stuff. It was tax free. And I was like, okay. And so, but anyway, I fell in love with being fitness. Uh, fit because it started to free my mind and it's still to this day you know uh, i like to keep up with my fitness and people like still think that i'm fucking in the military and i'm like no man it it just really did a lot for me you know and it's deeper than just being fit for looks and shit you know and so it freed my mind and so yeah man i ended up working out and then uh yeah we had that first pt test so the first pt test honestly that i think mattered in my military career i fucking aced it 
you know, uh, those sit-ups were not a problem. Of course, the run and stuff only got better. The push-ups only got better. And, uh, yeah, then I got promoted to specialist. And then, like, shit, man, that was a happy moment in the military because they were like, all right, Price, you know, your time, man. You can uh, – I, I was at that two-and-a-half mark or whatever, and I had three – I had a three-year contract. So I was coming up on the end of my contract uh, being deployed there. And, um, yeah, so it was, like, time to reenlist. And I was like, oh, man, I could get out. And so – like weak ass me was like, man, I could get out now, right? And then I was like, but strong me was like, hell no, nah, we're re-enlisting. And I was like, they they allowed me to pick my jobs. What do I want to do? I said, fuck no, I'm gonna stay infantry. And so it was just like something for myself, you know. I was I felt like I felt like actually, like even at the before MEPS, of course, I chose my job, but no, this time I feel like I really chose my job. So uh I, yeah, I chose infantry. And uh they were like, Well, you can go to Germany, Korea, and I think Hawaii was a potential on there. And uh, I always heard about Korea, so I went out to Korea. And so came back, and uh, as soon as I came back from my deployment, um, tried to get my buddy to go with me, man, that same guy, Lopez, anyway. And he couldn't go because he got a fucking DWI. Military fucks you up. And uh, we all know it, right? But uh, no, not the military. The shit you see in the military. Deal with it. Fucks you up. And so uh, anyhow, but it was still a good moment. He got beyond that stuff. He went to go on the National Guard and he went to get out and actually was my secret cheat to me uh, learning about my VA home loan, uh, my benefits when I got out. He's always been a solid guy. So my success, you know, is really old to him, like fucking all of it. Just say it. Um, And so uh, but yeah, I got back, man. And uh, yeah, like that fucking warrior, I got back, you know, fucking getting back was fucking crazy. Um, you always got to deal with shit, man. We had so many crazy ass incidents because there was people who stayed in rear D and now we were these fucking guys come from Afghanistan and we thought we was invincible, right? We started tatting ourselves up and shit and, you know, thinking we were invincible. And some of those incidents were wild. So luckily I escaped Fort, uh, Fort Stewart. Um, I, and y'all are probably like, shit, he said Fort Hood. Yeah, I escaped Fort Hood too. That was my last one. And, uh, so I escaped Fort Stewart. Five months, yeah, I landed, you know, we got back and everything, and uh, because of, I re-enlisted, five months being in the States, I took off to uh, Korea, which was crazy, because I had, I had to do it by myself, I wanted Lopez to come, right, I was still a little weak me, I was like, oh, come, come, and, uh, but yeah, I fucking hit Incheon Airport in the fucking town, like, very little English type of stuff, and now I'm in this new country, and I'm like, shit, I gotta go to report to where, how do I, subways, you know, I don't even have a phone, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, but that was that that was good. Korea was good. You know, you find your hiccups. And uh, I found myself in Korea as well, because I also went to rehab in Korea, uh, which was fucking wild. And um, yeah, I had issues that I didn't deal with in Afghanistan, you know, and uh, it, it just carried over into Korea and Korea. You know, like I say, um, I, I was an infantry guy, but they seen that I, you know, did some liaison work with uh, the ODA teams and they put that on my ERB, your enlisted record brief uh, for the Army. And uh, yeah, so this fucking these uh, logistical people um, that I would later find out they were uh, administration for the military uh, and they approached me and they were like, hey, man, you know, well, you're too short, you know, because I was in Seoul. And the only thing you can do as an infantry guy is Seoul is you got to go to the fucking Army Guard. And uh, man, they keep a real strict regiment there. Those are the infantry guys and they do the flags and the ceremonies and stuff. And uh, man, if you got listeners that do that shit, props to you guys, man, because like they keep like that's some fucking shit. Like it's not just. You know, I was disrespectful at one point um, where I was just like, no, I don't want to be a flag boy and everything. That shit's more than a flag boy. And so um, props to those guys. But anyhow, they told me I was too short to do that. And I was like, well, that's not bad. 
And then I was like, well, what else can I do? And they were like, well, your other option is you can go up to uh, the DMZ, which, you know, and I was like, man, I don't want to go up there because, you know. So anyway, this logistical team, they see my ERB and everything, and they came out, and I guess I fucking interviewed. Somehow I interviewed, and then, man, I got attached to a military intelligence unit, and uh, I ran their operations. And so I started working directly under the colonel who serves the general. And so uh, my job was to drive her around. And uh, anybody that was coming up, the big wigs, uh, you know, whatever, however many stars they were, uh, except for four stars, never did any four stars or three stars. They're like little ones, but they're yeah. big, but little, you know, because um, they're assistants at that point. So one stars and two stars, I drive them around Korea and everything. And because I stayed there, I stayed in Korea for 26 months. But uh, yeah, Dang. so anyhow, yeah. So I went from having, now this is where I fucked up. I went from having you know, hardcore ass leadership and, and everything being infantry, like everything strict, strict, strict. Well, I get to Korea. There's nothing strict about this place. And I'm like, oh, shit, man. Like, like, like captains are running around with fucking notepads. I'm like, shit, where I come from, you'd be running this shit. And they're like, oh, no, I'm just a, you know, whatever. And I'm like, OK, right on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they were like, OK, so you're specialist price. I'm like, yes, ma'am, I am. They're like, OK, I'm captain such and such. Uh, here's going to be your government travel card. Here's this, here's this, here's this. Don't put that in the hands of a 20 year old. Man, I took that government travel card, man. I bought my my buddy's bottle service and tables in Korea. Man, 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 man. Yeah. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You went and said, Uncle Sam's got me. God man, damn, dude. Backstop for real by Uncle Sam. Wow. Yeah, so man. For any was... of the listeners who don't know, uh, having a GTC is not your own personal credit card. Like, if it's you not. abuse the GTC, <laughs> you get in a lot of fucking trouble. So, this could not be scrutinized more than anything else in the damn like force yeah. as a whole doesn't matter what branch yeah. they will track every cent like mm, let me let me just mm. give one quick example of how closely they monitor where those gtcs are used when we would get notified hey you guys are going tdy to vegas right uh -huh. okay all the gtcs are activated you know to pay for hotel and all that stuff right uh -huh. now <laughs> this is how scrutinized they are they know what atms are inside of the <laughs> casino floor and which ones are outside of the casino floor. Now you can use the ATM at the hotel, but uh, it has to be outside of the casino floor because if you use one that's on the casino floor, you're fucked. Oh, doesn't matter. Man. It doesn't matter your intention. It doesn't matter yeah. what you mean. I was just taking out $20 so I can get some food. Nope. You took out money on the casino floor. They don't see it that way. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah, and you're right because that's that was exactly. <laughs> but see, it was like because I was I've always been like, and I'm not just you know just saying it, but I've always been like, like that's not smart. That's dumb as fuck. So I've always been dumb as fuck. What I've thought was was smart, right? And so, um, so like when I make the chart, because I'd have to go miles i'd have to drive sometime miles away to like you know down south you know seoul's in like the middle of, of south korea and this capital of course and so i'd have to drive these guys like and so anyway my travel car they never turn it off because they were just like he's always got to go somewhere you know and so the little korean ladies that were the contractors or you know employees up there they'd be like oh yeah especially not to make fun of their accent but they're just like especially this price you know like we'll we'll make sure it's activated and stuff so they just left the shit on right 
And uh, yeah, they left it on, man. And I never forget, like that captain that I told you about, the female man, she was my partner and I worked with her. And so, and I had nobody to answer to. It's fucking wild. I played from like, you know, where it was just discipline to like, man, I'm, I'm the boss, right? And so, uh, as I thought, and then so even that captain, she calls me. I never forget. She's like, "Hey, specialist price." And I had been doing this shit for months. So they, like, I fucked myself up. They couldn't, like, they did not catch me because, you know, you get with the government travel card. I knew that I had a certain time to pay that shit back. Well, you know, when you start doing bottle services and it's not on you, you're like, shit, we can run this every night. And so literally in Korea, like damn near every night, you know, and uh, it was crazy, man. I was like, stop going to work and stuff. And man, because all I want to do is party, 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 party. In Korea, you know, people come there on rotations. So you meet people and you're like, yo, you know about Korea? They're like, no, I don't know anything. I'm like, right, let me show you. And so, uh, you know, now you know about Korea and everything. And so, yeah, man, anyway, I never forget that call. They were like, hey, specialist. And they didn't even think that my character would do some shit like this. They called me and they were like, hey, specialist price, we think your government travel card has been compromised. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, because there's all kind of charges at uh, all these bars. And, you know, there's also dominoes. And, you know, like, uh, yeah, I, th I, I think somebody stole the number when I was when I was showing somebody. God, dude, you, you the fucker, you got away with all that shit. Man, it was it was wild, dude. It was wild. It was wild. And I don't want to make it seem like I'm bragging because I'm not fucking bragging. But that's just the shit that I did. It's the truth. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, man. So I got in trouble with that. And then but they still, man, the military, well, the folks in the military, they still take a chance on you. And so, like, basically, man, like I had like a drinking problem. And I'll never forget. I didn't want to get help. Here's another instance. Right. Uh, we were out clubbing one of those nights. Right. Like, I would just get fucking wild, man, like, and it just be aggressive for no fucking reason, you know, just, like, aggressive. And so uh, I'll never forget, man, we hit one bar, and uh, we hit one bar, man, and then, like, I don't even know, man. I ended up, like, this guy, and I don't know. So the girls we were with ended up leaving. That's what happened. They ended up leaving. And so I guess that messed up the atmosphere for me, right, my drunk ass, and uh, messed up the atmosphere. And so there was this other Korean dude that was at the table and I go over and take their bottle and shit. Koreans are nice. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, I say, oh, you know, no problems. And then, you know, I'm like, oh, man, I say, oh my ass, you know, I'm drinking this. And then uh, so anyway, the guy ended up going to the bathroom, man. Uh, and I don't know why I followed the guy to the bathroom. And then like I was getting ready to beat the guy's ass. Like, I got to lock the bathroom and shit like horrible. It's kind of like this is what I was told because it's kind of like still a blur. You know, it definitely was a blur when I woke up the next day. But then. Uh, yeah, so that incident happened at the club. My sergeant actually was with me. So they finally gave me some leadership. And he really wasn't leadership because he was like my partner in crime. But uh, but he didn't do none of the shit that I did, though. I will say that. I'm, you know, Sergeant Smith, wherever the fuck he is, I'm not incriminating you. Didn't do none of the shit that I was doing. But he just was like, all right, man, you know, do your shit. And uh, I don't, you know, just don't tell me about it. So anyway, uh, I never forget, you know. Um, yeah, he pulled me off that guy. He busted in there in the bathroom with my other dudes and shit. And then they're like, Price, what the fuck? And then I was like, I don't know what the fuck. And then, uh, so anyway, the next day he came to my barracks room and never forget. He's like, man, we, we got to get you some help. And so, uh, cause we had, I had been contemplating. I was like, Smith, I, th I think I should get some help, man. And then like, I'm not saying he didn't tell me, but he really was like, letting it be my choice. And, uh, yeah. So finally, man, we were just like, yeah, the next morning I was like, all right, I got to get some help, man. And so, um, yeah, I ended up going and rolling in ASAP. Y'all know that Army Substance Abuse Program. Ended up enrolling in ASAP. And uh, I had to do a inpatient program, um, which is fucking crazy because my sergeant major found out all the shit and he's ready to fucking end me. 
he was like, I knew that fucking grunt shouldn't have been here no way. You know, he's an admin and shit. And he's like, I knew he shouldn't be in here. The fucking army or the infantry, they're useless motherfuckers. They need to be up north. And I was like, and then like he talked about my family and shit. And so I remember telling him, fuck off, Sergeant Major. So I knew I was done too. So I was like, fuck you, Sergeant Major. Like in the office, it was a heated battle, you know. At this point, That's I was in like such a move. Yeah, yeah, I was in such a defensive <laughs> manner. Yeah, I was in such I, a defensive manner. I tell you manner. what, though, like if you feel like you're at that point where you really have nothing else to lose, and he's talking that much shit, I, you know, I, I probably would have been right there with you. <laughs> well, yeah, and so that guy, you know, and I'll give you, I'll give you this, I'll give you the after about that guy, right? And I'm not justifying what I did, but I'll give you the after. So anyhow, uh, so he tried to fuck me over and everything. But the cool thing about the army is if you identify if you self-identify that's the best thing so your listeners out there if you self-identify it is the best fucking thing that saved my fucking i guess little career you know i self-identified so i went and even though sergeant major's getting ready to fuck me yeah he still i was like yeah your paperwork's too fucking slow i'll be enrolled in the fucking program and so uh so while he's working on the paperwork and shit right i'm already in the asap program and that's when another realization for me so i said career was a realization moment um, uh, so you get removed. You, I, I think I stayed there for three or four months. You stay in the hospital. It's, it's, it's the hospital you got to go to every day, but you leave to these uh, monitored housing facilities that they have there. And so uh, I got lucky, man, because that was the last uh, program they had like that, that last year that I was there and they moved it to Hawaii. So, um, but yeah, I got to enroll in that program. And uh, yeah, they, they moved it to paradise after you did it. That's, that's what right, you're saying. Man, I was like, shit. <laughs> And uh, yeah, man. And that was crazy because like I had realization because people come every day and then they got to live with us. And so uh, I remember forget a special forces guy. Uh, we, we don't go by uh, last names that, you know, your last name, but we had army, air force, Marines. It's everybody in this fucking program and everybody on the peninsula that needs fucking help. And so uh, that gets accepted into this. So anyway, we got to go to the hospital every fucking day. And so at first I was like, this is some cheesy shit. But then, like, shit started getting real with the people that started to come in there. I was like, holy fuck. You know, I, I was being a little fucking tit baby with my problems. You know, these guys actually got fucking real shit going on. And I never forget this fucking major uh, special forces dude, Drew. He was fucking awesome. There was this Air Force guy, Nate. Uh, see how you remember fucking the names? And uh, so Nate, you know, never fucking wanted to be disciplined. He just wanted to fucking, you know, I don't know what Nate did, but it was something alcohol related. And he, you know, was there and fucking, I never forget. Drew told me, he's like, he had an accent. He was from Australia and shit. But he was in the army and he was like, uh, he's like, Price, I'm, Price, I'm going to fucking kill Nate. I'm going to fucking kill this guy. And so, you know, and, and I told Nate, I said, man, you don't know what this guy is capable of. So you really want to start, you know, stop whatever you're doing. And so Drew, you always have a house leader. So Drew was our house leader. But, you know, again, you got to, you know, rely on each other, you know, to get through. So him being house leader just showed that he was capable of, you know, handling that. But shit, he tried to kill fucking Nate. And I had to calm him down and shit. Because there's many, many instances where he was like, this is it, you know, for this motherfucker. And I was like, Drew, just remember, you're almost graduated. I'm learning from you. And uh, so it was a realization moment because uh, in, uh, it was the first time that I've ever spent, you know, Christmas in a fucking rehab facility. That was such a low point for me. Like that was just such a, and in a rehab facility, you can't, can't have anything R rated. It's all gotta be fucking PG. And you know, you have to, you know, you, you get to go out shopping, but you can't really do no much. You gotta do everything as a fucking group. Uh, we had AA, I had to go to fucking AA. Uh, had to, you know, uh, we get on the bus and go to AA and shit. Now we got Army AA and all of us in our group. And then we meet with like the locals that go to AA and shit. And now, you know, everybody's fucking bitching at AA and everything, which is good. Because we all need to talk about shit. 
you know, and fuck, man, these were civilians talking about being stuck in this fucking country, like Russians and shit. They're like, fuck this country. I was like, like, damn. And, uh, but yeah, man. So yeah, I never forget that Christmas, man. Like shortly after in January, I graduated, but I'll never forget that Christmas because, you know, it was just, uh, a lot of people had graduated at that time. So it was just only about five of us in this fucking house. And that was just the most depressing shit ever. Like we had to give gifts. I don't mind giving gifts to random strangers, but shit, man. Like that was just like, fuck, you can't even get them like a, you gotta get them some fucking like something that's not going to be sexual related. Not that you would, but you know, it, it has to be within the program guidelines and shit. And then you can't watch TV. If you do watch TV, they got these kitty ass movies you got to watch. And anyway, so man, I ended up, my career allowed me to get my head together. My head was all fucked over the place. You know, I was going to college in Korea. I stopped going because I wake up every day and fucking have a goddamn mimosa and shit and be just drunk all day. And so, you know, I had to pay back the college debt that I fucking did, you know, could have free fucking college in the service. And, uh, you know, the infantry won't let you do that shit. In infantry, you try to tell them, hey, I want to use my fucking shit. They're like, fuck, no, we got training. So here was an opportunity I had to better myself. And of course, I'm over here just fucking wasted like a fucking idiot thinking I'm cool because I've been in Korea for a while. And everybody that comes here, you know, they got to have Marquis to have a you know, party. And so it was the most embarrassing shit when, you know, at the barracks, they're all asking about me and my fucking sergeants having to lie because I'm in fucking rehab. You know, like that was just and, I, and it's like I was in jail. He'd come visit me and shit. And I'd be like, man, you know, like, so what's going on at the barracks? You know, just. Ah, fuck, man, that's just, that shit made me cry more than fucking Major Valky shit, to be honest, because, man, that was just, that was tough, like, I, man, those got some tough moments, and so, uh, yeah, those, <laughs> those fun that's, moments turned into hard moments. Yeah, I can, t I can only imagine, so, with you making that decision to yourself, like, hey, I need help, you know, not command directed because you were forced to go, because, you know, mm -hmm. we all know when you're forced to do something, this makes you not want to do it, but... Um, when you made that decision to yourself, you're like, I fucking can't do this anymore. I need help. What, what was going through that whole mindset? Not just like, oh, I'm fucking up with my job. Like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, I just don't like the way I feel. If you mm -hmm. had to think about everything that surrounded the decision, whether it be family, home, future, life itself, what puts you into that final straw of like, I cannot do this. I am making a decision to get help. Yeah. So the decision was that was not family. You know, I wish it could have been, you know, but it was not family. Uh, it was I felt like I was losing myself. You know, I never I never seen that side of myself before. I never fucking smoked cigarettes before the, I, Afghanistan when I was sitting at a fucking fire pit. And then some girl offers me a fucking cigarette and then I'm addicted to fucking camel menthols, which are great cigarettes. I don't smoke them now. But great fucking cigarettes. And, uh, you know, um, so, yeah, I was just losing myself. I was losing myself bad. I was like, man, this is another incident where I'm losing myself. And uh, it wouldn't be the last incident, honestly. But um, I grew through those incidents. But, you know, I just started to lose myself, man. Like, it just, like, man, it was just, like, so fuck. I Like, if, if you know how they say, like, I was watching, not to get weird, but Netflix, that Black Mirror where it was like, if you could, your eyes could fucking capture everything and you can replay, replay it. it and shit. Oh man, that was crazy. Crazy as fuck. So I don't want that shit. At least if I want it, I want to pour it forward. <laughs> okay. So I, I don't want that shit, you know, cause man, like Korea was awesome. And everybody asked me, you know, they're like, Oh, you did Korea. You know, even people, I, I help vets, you know this. And they're like, Oh man, you did Korea. And I always got to tell them, which I'm, I'm glad I tell them about the good side of Korea. Cause I had a part one and part two. So part one of Korea was when I was going through the rehab and shit like that and everything and the sad story. Once I graduated, 
I graduated that program, I started experiencing what Korea really has to offer as far as hiking in the mountains, doing shit, going to the beach, experiencing the culture, doing that kind of shit. You know, I, I wanted a I wanted a second chance at it, you know, and this program, you have to graduate the program. Otherwise, like they'll boot your ass out the military. And so I actually became house leader at one point and uh, I, I was guiding the new people and shit. And that was crazy. I had fucking girls slice their shit up on me and everything. And I'm like, fuck, you know, but this is rehab. The shit happens. And so, uh, so yeah, you know, being house leader and shit like that. And then I graduated the program and the program, I didn't get an A fucking plus because they asked me, they said, Marquise, you know, do you think you're going to drink again? You know, of course, fucking technically they want the fucking honest, they want the honest answer. Well, I don't want to say they want the honest answer, maybe partially, but they want the fucking answer they're looking for. They're like, you know, yeah, no, I'm not going to drink again and shit. And, you know, I seen people come in with the fucking shakes. You know what I mean? That's when shit, you know, when you're sitting across somebody that's fucking like, they're having withdrawals and shit and everything, you know, that shit made me like, get my shit straight and real, you know, and plus you don't have access to any other thing. So yeah, you know, and in the program, so, you know, I didn't get a fucking, I could have got, my graduation was epic and shit. Like my first sergeant came out, like it was fucking dope. I mean, I didn't do none of that for them. Right. It was just a good, it was a good proud moment. And, you know, my sergeant was there, Smith, um, damn Smith was, he was dope. He, get, he was paying my ass, but damn, he was cool. And the only motherfucker that visited me in fucking rehab. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So first sergeant came out, but the program, the program, fucking the reason they didn't give me a high mark is because they because I told them I said, y'all yeah, drink again, but I'll do it more responsibly. I understand that, you know, I understand why, you know, it, that I went through the shit, you know, and uh, and I didn't give her it was uh, captain, whatever the fuck her name was. And I and I got on to them because also I think I told them and I said, you know, being house leader, that girl that had that problem, they knew she was going to have that problem. I was warning them about that problem. You know, but they get so focused on their fucking jobs and making sure they hit the you know right marks for the program right wise. And so they didn't pay attention to her. So they, you know, I may have did great, but they failed the fuck out of her. And so um, so anyway, I graduated that program and then, you know, experienced Korea and everything. And Korea was awesome. And then my commander, he was like, look, I think you just need a new job. Come work for me. And so uh, I started working for my commander. And then um, I thought I was going to get out of Korea. Um, cause uh, you know, I wanted to extend in Korea actually. And at that point I wanted to get out from Korea cause I watched all my buddies get out. And if you got kicked out for Korea, they pay you an ass load of per diem. So I was like, man, I want to get out from Korea and get that money. And then, uh, so I called up my branch manager. He was this fucking disgruntled ass E6. And he's like, what, you're infantry and you've been in the Seoul for 26 months. Like, I, you know, I'll give you a, I'll let you stay there, but you know, you got to go up to the DMZ. And again, I was like, fuck that. And so, um, got out of Korea anyway. They sent me to my home of record duty station, which is Fort Hood. Went to fucking Fort Hood and my, you know, fucking platoon sergeant said, how long you been in? I was like, four years. And he was like, you're a fucking specialist. And I was like, I got into some shit sergeant in uh, Korea. And he was like, so did we when we were over there. Come on. So anyway, I stayed with them. I ended up getting my five and everything. And I fucked up again. See, we always think we can... Oh, man, y'all probably think I got nine lives or some shit. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't fuck up no more. But, you know, I'm probably down to three lives now. So right? that means you learn, though. Every time you fuck up, if you learn, then that's true. An experience. That's true. That's true. Hey, the, the sixth time is the charm. Okay? Sixth time is the charm, man. And the sixth time was fucking wild because I actually got busted down. That was wild. Busted down. I know exactly how you feel because I got busted down too. So man, it, it was it was a humbling thing, man. And so yeah, when you asked me, you know, before when you called me earlier, and you're like, man, like talk about different moments where you have to make, you know, like, uh, you know, decisions, you know, and and like, yeah, man, I had so many of those moments, and uh, 
yeah, when I got to Korea or excuse me, Fort Hood, you know, I started, you know, being super soldier, ended up getting promoted, start winning boards, all this other shit. And uh, but, you know, again, I have always been advanced over my peers. So, you know, I hit, you know, I made fucking NCO, honestly, like it wasn't nothing. And I, I just did it because I thought it would give me more money. So I was like, fuck, I didn't really place any value in it. I was just like, fuck it. You know, and uh, I knew in the back of my mind I was getting out anyway. The only reason they let me go to this board because I had like two years left. So they didn't want me to reenlist right then and there. They would promote me and then I could figure out what I'm doing. And so anyway, I ended up doing that. And then so, uh, you know, um, again, you know, you deal with bullshit. So your listeners and everything, you, you, you know, especially y'all that are active duty, you stay dealing with bullshit. So I dealt with so much fucking bullshit from this unit at Fort Hood. I mean, you read about Fort Hood. Y'all know the shit that goes on there. And, it, you know, you read about it. And so really what happened, man, it came down to the wire where, um, uh, and so Fort Hood is my home of record. Fort Worth is, you know, where I live. So that's about a two hour and 30 minute drive. So I come back for the weekends and shit. And, you know, I wanted to make extra money because I was a broke ass sergeant. So I would come up here and fucking Uber and shit like that. And then like, I was like, damn, it'd be nice if I didn't have the military. I can actually like fucking excel and like make fucking money. And uh, I'm a broke ass 25 year old. And um, so anyway, man, I ended up like fucking partying and shit, smoking weed. And so smoking weed, I popped hot. But here's the deal. I had been smoking weed and I had been beating the system for like a fucking year and a half. You get cocky. Y'all see, I got cocky like the government travel card. Got cocky. That's my downfall. Cocky. And so um, I never forget, man, I was on CQ that day with one of my guys. And he was like, you know, they were doing the uh, they were doing the piss test. And uh, they always piss test me. When you live closer to your home of record, piss test me all the time. And so my guy was like, yo, Sergeant, you think you're going to be good? And then uh, I was like, man, yeah, of course I'll be good, you know. But in my head, I had checked out from the military. So I knew I wasn't going to be good. I had checked out, you know, all the bullshit and everything I was over. And then I popped hot, man. And so popped hot. Uh, again, fucking now y'all about to see why y'all like, okay, now I see what he got against tankers. My fucking Sergeant Major in the calf was a tanker. And so uh, he was like, I'm a fucking hate those guys now. <laughs> Was it the yeah, boots or was it the spurs? <laughs> it was it, the fucking spurs, <laughs> uh, you know? And so, uh, but anyway, man, so yeah, I ended up getting like busted and I just had like this fucking mentality, man. So it's crazy. I went from like the suicide shit, right? To again, back to a fucking mentality, you know, whatever happens, whatever happens. I can't believe I said that because now I'm fucking hundred percent disabled vet and shit. And, you know, I, a lot of my success in, in what I've been doing in my business, now I'm my own business and shit, is because, I, and, and to think I was getting ready to throw all this away. You see what I'm saying? That's why for your listeners too, no matter where you are, that doesn't mean that's where you're going to end up. Okay. So I was a stellar ass E5. I passed boards. I won soldier of the quarters. They dusted my shit under the rug. Yes, they did. How did, how did it go from a year and something from me not being fucking getting the boot out, even when Sergeant Major wanted it? Well, my fucking command was constantly sweeping the shit under the rug and they swept it under the rug for so long to where finally they had to deal with it. My commander held on to that packet until his change of fucking command ceremony. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's just because I've, I like like what I learned from being, you know, what I learned from being that little weak ass soldier. I was actually a strong soldier. I just didn't know it. You know, I was always good at doing what I was told. So, you know, and that's what I learned. I was like, damn, I have a skill set. If I just do what I'm told, you know, they say that shit all the time. But if I'm doing what I'm told, I'm good. And so, uh, yeah. And and yeah, so he sat on that until his change of command. And then, uh, yeah, that fucking Sergeant Major, he told the new CO, he was like, you got an E5 over there. 
that fucking shit needs to be on my desk. And so uh, my first sergeant told me, he's like, hey, Price, we, we got to go through with this. And it was just so funny, man. I never forget in that moment. This is how over the shit I was. So if your listeners are listening and y'all are over the military, I fucking resonate with you, bro. And so, or, or, you know, or bro or female, you know, but um, I resonate with you because, you know, I remember walking into that office and this is why I'm not in the military right now, because, you know, I walked into that office and I was a stud at PT shit, you know, all this other stuff. And these other guys that sat around, you know, they want to all of a sudden, because you do one bad thing, they think you're just the worst fucking guy. No, that's not the, that's not the case. There's a lot of people that is fucking worse. It's just my shit got put on the red radar. And you know what? I never forget. I walked in that room with them weak ass, uh, little no backbone, having ass motherfuckers that considered themselves fucking infantry that never deployed. Hey, that's just is what it is. And, uh, you know, I never forget. They wanted me to lie about my shit. They said, well, 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 tell them that you were, uh, you were in the room with weed around. And I said, what the fuck? Do y'all not know how marijuana works? You know what I mean? And, and I was like, I couldn't believe There's it. There's levels to this <laughs> shit. It exactly. is so, it is so funny you say that though, because, um, you know, so like me and Jess both, we uh, we volunteered to be what, we're, what are called undershirts uh, for first sergeants, right? So when the first sergeants oh, out, okay. we can we can step up. You know, we're not we're not senior NCOs yet, but as mm-hmm. E sixes, we can step up and fill in for the first sergeant while they're like on leave or training or whatever that. Gotcha. Right. Uh-huh. So we go through what's called a first sergeant symposium, and you have mm-hmm. OSI, which is the federal agency for the Air Force. I don't know what y'all's is called. If y'all have like mm-hmm. investigative services, CID. Oh, uh, CID. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. Okay. So go. they come in and they give their little portion, right? And they do a weed burn. So you can be like, I know what weed smells like because <laughs> I had the first, like they have to do yeah. that, you know? So uh, they do a weed burn, right? Wait, but then they're they also for yours. They didn't do that for mine. Well, you were about to be fucked if you had to justify it. <laughs> but, um, Not like but I so know what it smelled like. <laughs> yeah. But see that they're going to ask you, how do you know that? But, um, so when he, yeah. So he was talking about like, you know, if anybody ever pops positive and they're yeah. trying to be like, oh, you know, I, I was around it, you know, because I was this, that, whatever, right? And he was like, unless you're hot boxing in like a phone booth for eight <laughs> hours straight, that's not how this shit works. Like, <laughs> hey, don't get me wrong. Some of my sessions were kind of like that. But, <laughs> but, and, you know, but these guys, man, they were just fucking, I was like, really? I was like, really? And it was, I'll never forget, it was my platoon sergeant. And they promoted his bitch ass from E6 to E7. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, I got to get out. And so he was the one that was the main one. He was the main one. I forget his name. That's, you know, whatever. And him and Sergeant Knight. I never forget Sergeant Knight. And so, um, you know. You they, always they were, fucking guys, all right? Like- <laughs> man, for real, man. For real, man. For real. And, you know, they were just like, you know, they want to make you out to be the worst person. And then that shit spreads like wildfire, like Sergeant Price pops hot and everything. And so at that point, man, it was dangerous, though, because you get in these fucking mentalities. So you guys that are out there, though. Do not get into the fuck it mentality, because when we get in the fuck it mentality as veterans, no matter the branch, we get dangerous either to ourselves or someone else. So don't get to the fuck it mentality. That kind you of know? cockiness and internal cockiness and like, fuck mm-hmm. it, man, I can do. Yeah. And, and, and I think I think it's one of the things like I understand checking out. I get that. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand being like, you know what? I'm out in five months, whatever. Mm-hmm. That five months, though. <laughs> and, and I don't care if you're down to your last fucking week in the military. If you are mm-hmm. so hard, fuck it, and you do some stupid shit, they, they will, will keep you. Boop, 
pause, you're fucked, and they will destroy your fucking yeah. life in that for the rest of the time. And all of a sudden, you're getting out, no benefits, nothing, Man. because you just had to push the limits. Yeah, yep. and and my sergeant major, you know, my cocky ass, I was like, man, I just talk shit to a fucking, uh, you know, I granted he was a 52 alpha, but you a tanker, so y'all seem the same to me, you know, but, <laughs> you know, and, and I just didn't like him, but I remember he was, I went to his office, because he was like, that that's sergeant major right now, the tanker sergeant major, I'll never forget, I went to his office, his office, and he's like, yo, fucking bro, 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 he talked like that, he talked like fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin, I was like, damn, I'm getting hyped, man, come on, let's go, and then he, but he was just like, you know, my brother fucking threw his life away in behind drugs. And, you know, so blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I'm not throwing my life away in behind drugs, Sergeant Major. Like, and he's like, yeah, but I'm a blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, okay. If you were so right, they wouldn't have never hit my packet. Okay, cool. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, again, just being cocky. But, you know, it's just, it's just ugh. And that other Sergeant Major, sorry, that one in Korea. I know I told y'all I'll go back to it. Sorry, I just caught him. I caught his ass after rehab. I caught his ass on uh, Hooker Hill. If you've been to Korea, you know where Hooker Hill is. He was coming out of a prostitute thing. I told that motherfucker, I said, Sergeant Major. And then my buddies caught him too. So uh, this was after Korea, or this is after my rehab. So I'm thinking straight, right? I'm still out drinking, like I said I was going to do. And, but. Responsibly, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so. Sergeant Major should not be going in there. No one should be going in there, but Sergeant Major shouldn't. And I said, Sergeant Major, I never forget, man. He was in this fucking old, fucking old ass dude in this like, brown suit. Who the fuck is wearing a brown suit out here? You know? And uh, so he's in this brown suit or whatever. And he, and you know, what I learned is because y'all know they've been to Korea, you know, you got to carry military ID on you at all times. Well, this motherfucker tried to play off like a civilian. I said, hey, Sergeant Major. He, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, Sergeant Major, uh, you wouldn't happen to be coming out of that place, would you? <laughs> you know, my, my cause I would swear that me and my buddy saw you, you know, and my buddy's drunk as fuck, like shit. They're like, who is that? That's Price's command, you know? And like, uh, I was like, all right, Sergeant Major. So, yeah. And I was like, Sergeant Major, I know this is not a part of the safety brief you gave us on Friday. I just know it's not. I know it's not. And so no. remember, I remember, remember though, remember his fucking battle, buddy. I drove, I drove her. I drive her at that point, you know, the colonel. So it is nothing for Colonel Gay. Never forget her, sweet white lady. I never forget. I got in the, in the end with Colonel Gay. On the drive, we can go drive around Korea talking about this shit. And so um, I never forget. I told him, I said, well, Sergeant Major, so, you know, here's how things are going to go. Now, no bullshit. And I told him, here's how things are going to go. I said, um, uh, Captain Daniels at the company, he want me to work for him. I can only work for him if you approve it. And I said, what I'll do, if you approve it, I think my buddies, I mean, this is going to be some shit to remember, but I think, you know, no one else needs to know about it. And, but only if you agree to back off, that's another thing I told him. I was like, you got to back off me and you got to approve my thing. And he was like, uh, uh, Price, I, uh, you know, I think we can make that happen. And I was like, all right, Sergeant Major, enjoy your night. <laughs> and he backed the fuck off. I got that fucking approval in Korea. I went work for the company and got out of fucking G1 with the fucking crazy ass, you know, big wigs. So that was Not crazy. Bad. Yeah, I know, right? So now y'all can see kind of what it kept edging my cockiness on, I guess. And Oof. so, uh, so, but anyway, that other Sergeant Major, the tanker one, he was like, yeah, I'm going to fuck you up, blah, 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 blah. Man, so a great moment was the day they came. And oh, I'll never forget that day, man. I was like, jail, right? They were like, all right, special. Uh, they were like, Sergeant Price, about to do it today. And I was like, shit, man, it's fucking. I was like, damn, it's a work day, but that don't stop for you to take punishment. So I never forget, man. Uh, and I was like, shit. And uh, I went into uh, the uh, the battalion, 
And so I uh, had to go in front of the BC, the battalion commander. And uh, shit, I was like, man, this is it. This is it. This is it, man. Like, shit. And like, man, okay, all that shit I was telling you, man, there was no tough guy at that point. I was like, shit, you know, my brain don't even know how to think or didn't know how to think at that point. I was like, shit, 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 shit. You know, and uh, yeah, and uh, man, I went in there in front of the battalion commander and uh, hey, that day, for some reason, fucking Sergeant Major couldn't make it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then, so yeah, so then uh, they were like, the battalion commander is going to decide your fate because you have these old... You have these other sergeants that spoke on my behalf, and I'm looking at them, you know, as they're speaking. Well, I'm not looking at them. I'm looking at the colonel at parade rest or some shit. And uh, I never forget these little weak-ass backbone motherfuckers that tried to get me to lie about this shit over here. He was such a good soldier, sir, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you're not goblin, you know, stand the fuck up. And, uh, you know, and so anyway, so the colonel, man, he, like, he looks at my records and stuff, and he's like, he's like, Sergeant Price, you know, um, man, you've done some great stuff for us here. And you've done some great stuff over your course of the military. And I was like, yes, sir. And he's like, well, what's the plan? And, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure I told him, you know, what happened about the incident, but he didn't really care about the incident. This is the first time that, a, you know, that actually, again, I found another human being like, you know, Major Volke. And so um, this was another human being. He just in front of these guys, these weak ass backbone motherfuckers that are probably still fucking serving. You know, I'm here getting busted down and me and this fucking high high ranking official is having the like, you know, a real man to man conversation, you know, uh, and, and, you know, we're respectful, of course. And um, yeah, and I'll never forget, man. He's like some uh, specialist price. What's the plan? And I was like, sir, the plan is to, uh, you know, get out of the military. I told him, I said, I have about, you know, 60 something days of leave saved up and I've been kind of waiting on this moment. Um, you know, and I've obviously done my, uh, you know, they put me on extra duty and, or no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. He hadn't handed down the punishment yet. Uh, you gotta go through this shit. So I just told him, you know, what was, what, what I wasn't on extra duty, but I was on like all kind of duties, right. They confined me, you know, uh, to post and doing like the little fucking runaround shit. Uh, and so, yeah, man. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to get out and go to school and just try to figure it out. And that was a real fucking man there, man. And, and, and like, he really told me, he said, well, Sergeant Price, I'm the one that, just to make the decision. And I've heard from you and I've heard from your leadership. And he's like, you know, he's like, now I got to take your rank, of course. And I was like, absolutely, sir. And he's like, but I'm only take one. And so he busts me down from E5 to E4. And then uh, he was like, I got to take your money, but I could put that on a stay. And uh, I was like, what? <laughs> you know, and, and it, I was researching how to keep your, I was about to set up an allotment for my check, <laughs> you know, just so they didn't garnish it. And, uh, but he was like, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stay your money or whatever. And, uh, he's like, I do really believe you got a lot to offer, you know, uh, this world. And I was like, Oh shit. And then, uh, he was like, yeah, I believe that. And I don't think what you did here should, you know, r really affect that out there. And so you're, you're what you've done. Cause I, I mean, I was doing, but I just always been good at doing what I was told. So, you know, he's looking at like leadership awards and everything. He's like, you know, and remember, you know, throughout that year where they had that shit under the rug, I was still like, they still let me go do shit. So I was still like leading like a hard charging motherfucker. You know, I'm still in the field and shit at Fort Hood with my guys and shit. I'm leading my team, my fire squad and shit at that point, you know? And, uh, and he was like, yeah, I don't think this should define you. And uh, so yeah, he bust me down. They didn't take any money. He gave me like 60 days of extra duty. And uh, man, I started living again. And uh, that was awesome. I really did start living again. And um I ended up, you know, um, getting all the way to the point, you know, a lot of people thought that, you know, they thought that I got chaptered out and shit. And I'm like, 
no man like they see me after and like you know my buddies and shit they were joining the national guard and shit and everything i was like no i'm just getting straight out they were like no i'm you know they're like it's got health care and all that and i was like man i'll figure that shit out you know and um you think some people you have real backbones and then it comes time to do shit and nothing against my buddies but they didn't have backbones you know i see why they had the leadership they had and uh and so yeah i ended up getting out and then they went on to go deploy to iraq and my buddy went out there to go do this, this fucking thing against isis and uh, I was like, keep your head down. He almost got fucking sniped. I was like, Cervantes, a little short motherfucker, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And But he went to sniper selection, did some cool shit. And uh, I, I'm, you know, it wasn't meant for me to be there with him, though, because me and him, we were like partners. And uh, he was, well, I was, uh, so he was fire team. So he was my alpha team. Alpha team is generally the novice uh, leader, uh, team leader. And then I was Bravo. So I was more senior and everything. And so him, I taught him a lot along the way. And so. Uh, that was kind of something, man, where like I was like, no, nah, man, you got to he's like, these people don't understand me. And he was a hot headed Mexican. Right. And he's like, they don't understand me because we were infantry. We're infantry. No offense. but It's a white person's job. And they're not racist in there. You know, we like the jokes and shit, you know, but it's not a racist thing. But it can be hard trying to relate when you don't have your others. But see me, I've always been with in places without my race. So I didn't find comfort in my race. I kind of found comfort. That's a great thing about the army, though. I love I found comfort. And no matter what color of your skin, I'm like, bro, this shit sucks. This shit sucks. All right, man. Yeah. You know, and uh, so, you know, but Cervantes went and did his thing and I ended up getting out. And uh, yeah, I ended up getting out, man. And then like, that's when life, that's when real life began. And uh, yeah, I stopped fucking up and I stopped doing all that crazy shit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's it got to the point, man, I'm not going to tout myself, but I'm helping vets for you guys wondering how I uh, met Rusty here. Um, I'm, I'm partnered based on production and shit, you know, lenders partner with you. So veterans United is a preferred a lending partner of mine. And so, uh, yeah, they'll send me referrals and I can choose if I want to work them or not. And, uh, because of being able to relate to vets and because of my vets, that's the reason, um, you know, I built a six figure uh, real estate business. And, uh, now I, I'm the one that tells people what to do and shit. So, but I do it respectfully. I'm not, I'm not bitching them out or nothing like sorry majors. But, you know, so, the, the you know, and the reason I wanted to do that, not to make it about that, but the reason why I, that's my calling, man, and I know it is to help other vets. You know, that's why when you told me about this podcast, man, I was on my way to a fucking closing for one of my other vets today. They got their house. And so um, when you said this, man, I was one, I thought I was like, Rusty, you know, I remembered you, bro. And uh, but uh, I was like, OK, are we about to talk houses or what? And then you're like, bro, this is it's completely uh, off topic from real estate. You know, can I ask you? And I definitely appreciate you being respectful. Say, can I ask you? And I was like, of course. And he was like, you know, you got this podcast and everything. So I was like, hell yeah, because, you know, um, I owe it to the vets, man, because we all know on vets here, you know, there's just people out there, man, they'll thank us for our service and shit, but then try to like fuck us over. And so I feel the only way to safeguard against that is I have to infiltrate like we're taught, right? You got to infiltrate. So I had to infiltrate the real estate industry so my vets know about their benefits when they're serving or when they get out. And so now 96% of my business is vets and I'm getting vets PCS in here. I'm getting vet, you know, well, active duty PCS in no matter the branch. And I love it, man. So, you know, I'm not one of those guys that hate on the other branches because, man, I mean, people that are Air Force, Navy and everything. And man, y'all do some of the coolest shit. And I'm like, why didn't I go? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, big, big. Big shout out to uh, all you guys on this podcast, man. All of us, shit, we're all vets. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I got, I know I hadn't spoken to you or texted you like in months, man. But nah, it's all good, like, baby. I kept, I kept your number, and I was like, I appreciate I know that. I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna need him again for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but like, I was like, I'm gonna keep this dude's awesome, number. Man. 
it was a short time that we got to like talk and see each other, but it was like, it was, yeah. it was long lasting. It was a mark, you know? So I was like, I know I'm going to need this dude again. I'm very happy. I saved your I information. And I could not yeah. be more thankful that you took the time. You know, I know you're a busy guy. I know you have tons of stuff. I can going do on this there. for my vets, man. Now the most yeah. people that be like, Hey, loan officer want to sit down with you. I'm like, I don't fucking, I don't need coffee. The fuck? <laughs> like if you, if you, if you're working, you don't need coffee. I make coffee here. Why do I want to go sit? So no, exactly. man, I really do appreciate it. I, I really do, man. And all you guys that's on the podcast, man, um, you know, my, you know, you probably don't even know my fucking name. Well, you know, because it's sitting here or whatever. So I'm not some big time, you know, whatever. I'm just like you guys, man. You know, uh, a fucking data company took a shot on me when I got out based on my service. I, I scaled up in that job and then I was able to, you know, get out and, you know, well, shit, it's kind of crazy. It just happened here recently. You know, they wanted me to get the fucking COVID vaccine. Nothing against the vaccine. But they said that, you know, Motorola Solutions, the big stock company or Fortune 500 company, U.S. government's their largest partner. And so they wanted to force the vaccine on us. And so I had to take a stand at that point. So I've had a lot of these moments where we talked about, like, you know, where you got to, like, you know, decide. And so I had to decide. I was like, OK, do I want to, you know, get the vaccine and nothing wrong with the vaccine? Nothing's wrong with it. But I was like, I come from the military where, you know, I've, I've had no choice. So now I have choice, you know, at 17, from 17 to 25, I ain't have no choice. So, uh, so yeah, I fucking left that job, man. And like, I owe it, I owe my success to the vets because yeah. I ended up, it all started with me talking to one veteran in an Uber about Veterans United because I had just bought a house and that's who my mortgage lender was. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so we partnered up and fucking stories here, man. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, you go through that fucking vaccine line and, be, and basic training where you're getting stuck with all kinds of shit and you have no idea what the hell is no in there. No idea, damn it, you, man. You have no choice, you know, but, Bro. um, <laughs> you know, and what I always, and I, and I, I held out and for as long as I could for the vaccine, you know, until the official order came down from SecDef, you know? Yeah. 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 Up until, up until that point, it was like, it's a, I, it's a choice. And I, I validated my choice by just really looking at the actual there information is of nothing wrong with that you know it's no. nothing wrong and there's definitely nothing wrong so i'm not one of those people that's like yeah people that's got the vaccine and shit that's not the you know that is definitely choice what i think is fucked up is and here's you know i'm not gonna get political i just get common sense i think it was fucked up that they just didn't let the military guys you know they were fucking kicking them out because they didn't want to get the vaccine and so i was just like that man just was like i was like are you serious you know you call us fucking heroes and shit and then the minute that we want to have a choice, you remind us that we're pawns. That's what you do. You know, you're not that you treat us like we're pawns. You remind us, you know, under fucking Obama. Excuse me, but just under fucking Obama, man, I got served like two of those fucking notices where they were like, you know, the government shut down. And I'm, I, and you know, my nerd ass, I'm like, you know, shit, my back don't work. So I might as well use the computer. And so, you know, I'm over here like, you know, just like, oh, man, like, what is the government shutdown and everything? And I'm like, so because of this, because Congress can't get their shit together, that's the reason we can't get paid. Everything's been a fucking fight for us, bro. And like even being at 100 percent, you know, I had to hire a fucking lawyer to even go through that shit. I'm having to basically like I'm asking for a handout. I'm like, you know, not to get cocky or anything. I'm like, you know, that doctor that look at me, you know, I'm like, bitch, I'm pretty sure my business makes more than what your check is. So why are you sitting over here looking down on me? Because I look young and you're like, well, we don't know anything until the MRI. Then the MRI shows you that shit got fucked up. And so, you know, and it's just, it's, it's shitty how they do us, you know, and as vets, bro, it's, it's just really shitty. So, um, so yeah, that's why I say, you know, for your listeners out there, man, hang in on, hang in there. Everything we deal with is fucking shitty. My dad got out. He didn't want to get his benefits and everything, man. I had to get out in 2016. Thanks to the Lopez. I got out in 2016 and started working on my benefits and I was able to show my dad. And now my dad is like fucking 90% or some shit. 
So, you know, it's always been a fight. So we, we got to understand as your listeners and everybody on here, we got to understand that it's always going to be a fight for us, you know, but we're, we, we can handle the shit though. Civilians don't sign up to do this shit. They walk past my flags and everything. And it's fine though. It's fine. You know, you realize why certain individuals shouldn't sign up to do this shit. But, you know, so for us, man, everybody on here, just know it's always a battle, but we can win that shit. So, yeah, my career now, what I do is to help fucking veterans win at fucking life, you know, um, not to lose no more. We don't need to feel like, you know, we, we don't need to feel less than. And, and you guys on here don't feel less than and don't let anybody make you feel less than, you know. Um, yeah, that was, yeah one of, so. that was one of the core things we brought to it. Like, you know, aside from, you know, our mental health struggles, of course, but we're all like the the thing that we have to focus on the most as veterans in the military community as a whole, whether it be active reserve guard or veteran, we have to focus more on taking care of our own. Cause we're the only ones that are going to give a shit about each other. That's it. That's it, man. That's it. Yeah. Well, damn Marquise, I could not be happier that we got you on here and, you right. know, and I can promise you guys, if you're loving what you're hearing, cause this has definitely been the most lively episode we've ever had, <laughs> but, um, I can promise you it will not be the last time I will definitely bring him on again and who knows how many times, but we will definitely have him on again. So Jess, any closing thoughts? Man, Marquise, thank you so much for sharing your story, dude. We really, really appreciate it. Um, it kind of makes me miss the army just a little bit. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for your time, man. Um, I know our listeners are really going to appreciate it and we really appreciate the time you took to talk to us today, man. Thank you. Absolutely, guys. And it was nice meeting you, Jess, of course. And I get those moments like, shit, should I go back in? And I'm like, oh, you're getting paid to sit your ass down now. So it gets better, guys. It gets better. It definitely does. Well, guys, thank you so much. Don't forget to tune in to all the rest of the series and episodes in the series we got going on for Decision Points. Again, given how this episode took some uh, darker turns, if you haven't, go listen to episode three, Mental Health Matters. We will always hit on mental health multiple, multiple times. But guys, thank you so much. You guys take care. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to drop us a follow or subscribe to The Common Warrior wherever you find your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Common Warrior Podcast. Take care and join us again for our next episode. Mm -hmm.